and I was the seventh grade boy and I'm not that guy anymore. Ultimately, either my brain was wrong or my brain has outdated information and our brain holds on to those things and mm -hmm. it, it tears us apart, unfortunately. Um, it holds us back, it limits us as, as people because if you really get to the core of it, we're all pretty, pretty okay. We're all pretty decent people. We all mostly want to do the right thing. We're just all tossed into a world that's not going to help us with a brain that's not going to help us. And we need to understand it. And I guess, you know, we talked about helping people. My approach, our approach at Hawaii Hypnosis Center to, to helping people is get them in and work with them and, and help them understand how the brain works. I don't want to create clients that have to keep coming to see me. I mean, I, I guess it's a sucky business model because I, I try to work myself out of every client. I want them to go out and have a life and be great, and be fabulous and never have to go see the hypnotist. I, I want to teach them about the brain, about their brain, about why it's doing the things that it's doing. So when they encounter problems, they don't go, oh, I need to go see somebody. They go, you know what? That's why my brain did that. All right. Welcome back to Hawaii Real, everybody. I'm your host, Hio Keehu. And I want to send a shout out to Hawaiian Springs Water for being our beverage host. Thank you so much. And this episode is brought to you by the Native Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce. Native Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce's mission is to malama Native Hawaiians in business and commerce through leadership, relationships, and connections to economic resources and opportunities. The Chamber's programs and events are designed to facilitate connections and promote business growth, professional and economic development, and sustainability. The Chamber's membership is open to individuals, nonprofit organizations, and businesses of all sizes. To learn more about the Chamber and how you can join, visit the website www.NativeHawaiianChamberOfCommerce.org. Hi, thank you everybody. Today we have on the hypnotist, Randy Hampton from the Hawaii Hypnosis Center and Relationship Coaching. And Relationships. Yeah, you're the co-owner there with, uh, with your wife? Yep. Thank you so much for coming on there, Randy. Um, yeah, when I saw, um, I think it was actually your wife's uh, profile on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Hypnosis Center? That's cool. <laughs> and then I started looking into it a little bit more and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is not just like hypnotizing people to hypnotize people. This is, you're all about mindset and switching up um, people's way of thinking in order for them to move on with their goals in life or something like that. Yeah, ab absolutely. It, it, and the way we kind of pitch that is it's goal-oriented hypnosis. Right, which this is like goal-oriented podcasting because perfect. we go a lot into uh, business ownership, entrepreneurship, um, you know, a lot of police work and stuff like that on this right. podcast. So I saw your stuff. I was like, Hey, perfect. I got to get you guys on because this is what I think I've been trying to find through my searches over the past year and a half of doing this podcast. Um, just a real master of the mindset. Well, righteous. Which, I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate the, at, the high expectation. I'm looking and at your business card. It says <laughs> master hypnotist. Master hypnotist. Like, yeah. Do this. Well, I appreciate you having us on. No, it's great to, great to be here. No, ah, thank you so much. Okay. So for everybody out there, is hypno hypnosis dangerous? Is it real? 
Oh, okay. So, uh, so let's go with, those are two questions. Is it real and is it dangerous? Yeah. So, so let's go okay. with real first. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with, well, that's the, the name of the podcast, right? So, yeah. Um, let's go with real. Yes, absolutely. You know, people see the, the stage shows sometimes and they'll think, oh man, that guy made those people, you know, cluck like a chicken or dance Bark like a dog, dance like Michael Jackson, whatever. And, and they go, well, that, that must be, those people are like plants or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they're bringing people up that, you know, they plant in the audience or something. Not the case at all. Hypnosis is absolutely real. Um, now, it's not some voodoo magic, woo, you know, thing. There's actually a very scientific basis for all the things that go on in the human brain when the brain is in the brainwave state of hypnosis. And so it's, it, it, it is absolutely real. It is a brainwave state. It is not some magical mind control state, which would be cool if it was. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, if it was the Jedi mind trick, wouldn't that be cool, right? Yeah, but I mean, you, yeah. You, you, I, I wouldn't work this hard, though. <laughs> I was just going to say that. He's like, you have a business going. So, I mean, you have a business, so it must be real. Yes. And you have a business, so, I mean, it can't be that dangerous either. It It isn't that dangerous. There's really no way for anybody to put something in your head that you don't want in your head. The power of hypnosis is not in making people do things they don't want to do. It's this amazing ability to help people accomplish the things they do want to do. Mm. Now, everybody says, well, wait, I've saw, I saw the stage show where the guy made the gal bark like a dog. I know she didn't want to bark like a dog, right? Right. But he made her bark like a dog. He didn't make her bark like a dog because he wanted her to, you know, impersonate a poodle. He made her bark like a dog. Because she wanted to entertain the crowd. She wanted to be the center of attention. So what he's doing or or she's doing, whatever that stage hypnotist is accomplishing, is really about creating an environment in those stage shows where people want to be that center of attention. They want to do something fun and funny. They want to let loose. They, you know, they've got all these inner desires, subconscious desires sometimes. And so what stage hypnotists do is they tap into that power of the subconscious mind. It's like being the life of the party. Hey, you're going to be the life of the party, but in order to be the life of the party, you got to bark like a dog and Ed, go and, chase and bite that guy's leg. Right. And everybody will love it and everybody <laughs> will laugh. And when you hear him laughing, you go deeper into hypnosis. And it, and it's an amazing trick. And the mind goes, okay. Um, it's really it's really fascinating stuff. And I'm a, I'm a student, I guess. I'm a student of the human brain. You know, you talk about motivation, you talk about entrepreneurship and all of these different things. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in sociology. Uh, my master's work was in a field called human dimensions. It is basically the study of how our environment shapes our thoughts and our beliefs, mm-hmm. how we become the people that we are. So I've always been fascinated by that. I am also a natural skeptic. Okay, I was a, I was a journalist before I got into all of this stuff. And so I question everything, um, but I'm very, you know, science-based about the approach to the, the human mind and what hypnosis mm. is and what it isn't. I wouldn't be in a business where, you know, it was iffy or questionable or dangerous. If, if somebody sends their daughter to us because she's, you know, biting her fingernails and she needs to stop doing that or whatever, if we work with somebody on something like that, the last thing I would want is for her to go home and, and have dad go, oh, how was hypnosis? 
And she says, yeah, I don't remember what happened in that man's office. Oh, that's dangerous. Right. See, that would be weird and creepy. Right. And then people would, would come down and wonder what I was up to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not some, woo, you're out there, you don't remember any, none of, none of those kinds of experiences. It's something very different than what stage hypnosis makes it look like. Okay. So I guess one of my other questions would be, can you hypnotize yourself? Yes. And is that a thing? Yes. Um, you can, you can train your mind to go into a hypnotic state, self-hypnosis, if you will, is kind of the, the, the what we train people in is self-hypnosis. You're always in and out of states of hypnosis all the time. You know, people think, oh, I've never been hypnotized. And I always tell them, yeah, every single day of your like, life. You see my kids on their phone <laughs> going on like their, their TikTok or their YouTube or whatever like that. And you're talking to them and they just don't hear a word nothing, you say. Nothing there. And it's it's exactly like that. It, think about driving, okay? We get in the car. There are literally millions of things happening around us that yep. we see going on, movement, cars, you know, passing us, and uh, all of these things happening. And, and the human brain consciously, the conscious mind can handle about six things at a time before it becomes overwhelmed. There is no way the human brain can drive a car. Right. It is entirely complex. There's so much going on with your feet, your arms. It becomes automatic. We eyes. do it over and over and over again, right. and it's automatic. Well, if it's automatic and we're doing something that's automatic, that involves a state of hypnosis. So we drive in a light state of hypnosis, everybody. Did you see that YouTube video of a dog driving and it was operating the, the brakes and that's, everything? And it was it was steering in order to get to where it wanted to go. It was, it was the craziest thing. Not, gonna, <laughs> I'll be Googling that later. <laughs> <laughs> like I've got to check that out. Uh, but yeah, driving is is really intensely uh, complicated, and all the math that goes on in your brain to to change a lane, figure out yeah. yeah distance and all the things that are happening. And so your subconscious mind can do about a billion things at a time. Wow. Conscious mind can do about six. So the subconscious really operates a lot of what we do every day. We don't we don't consciously like breathe. We don't consciously blink our eyes. We don't consciously beat our heart. Can you imagine walking down the street and having to remember to, you know, to, people would be dropping dead all the time. They'd be like, oh, there, there goes Bob. He forgot to beat his heart. I remember as a kid, I must've been like nine or 10 laying in bed, calm, calm, calm. And then having to remember to breathe. Mm. What's that about? Is that <laughs> is that a state of hypnosis? Because I've it heard is. that, you know, right before you fall asleep, that's like kind of when your brain is in that state. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what happens is you're, as you're falling asleep, you're going through a state of hypnosis. As you're waking up, you're coming through a state of hypnosis. So um, pro tip for people that do affirmation work, hmm. do it as you're falling asleep at night or as you are waking up in the morning first thing, you'll get your affirmations deeper into your brain and your brain will, will catch on and go bigger into those things that you're telling yourself, you know, you believe. So, sorry, I didn't mean to jump off on a tangent. But it, this is all it. tangents. It's oh, okay, an... cool. <laughs> um, then we're doing great. You're in my yeah. brain. It's like I'm like ADHD <laughs> on the podcast. It's really exciting. Keep up. So if, if you're falling asleep and, and, you know, as a kid, you say, oh, I, 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 I had to remember to breathe, you know, kind of thing. That's just your subconscious mind all of a sudden, you know, taking that break kind of as it, it's fallen into sleep and that automatic process, you start consciously overthinking what is an automatic process and you interrupt it. 
And so you can, you know, kind of stop. I, yeah, I would stop breathing. The nice thing is it's that your brain's got a great fail safe. It does. It's called passing out. <laughs> so you would, you would eventually, if you stopped breathing, you would pass out. And that's actually designed to get you to breathe again. Mm. It just makes that's your conscious thing. mind go, thing. right, right, go cold. <laughs> you see it with kids, you know, like mm -hmm. little babies, infants sometimes when they get so upset and they'll cry till they pass out. And then they immediately start breathing again. They're just so upset. They're putting out so much energy and they, stuff. So they're actually passing they, out. They, they would pass out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's frightening. But that's to protect you so that you do breathe mm. when you stop breathing. Mm -hmm. um, What's the craziest hypnotist type story you've heard or you've had to deal with? You know, we get a lot of calls. I'll, t I'll tell you the crazy one we don't have to deal with. Um, because I, now what'll happen is, you know, some, one of your podcast viewers will be like, uh, oh, never mind, I won't call him now. <laughs> we get a lot of calls from people that say, okay, I was, uh, I, I need to ask you a question. I, I, I was taken by the by the aliens. I was I was abducted by aliens, and I can't remember what they did to me. So I heard that hypnosis could help with that. And and yeah, okay, if something's happened in your life and you don't really have a clear memory of it and stuff, hypnosis can be used to help you know, with, with retrieval of memories. Um, there's a lot of scientific debate about whether the memories are real or not, but that's probably a, a, a six hour podcast episode someday. But people will call and say, I can't remember if the, if the aliens took me, I don't remember what happened. So I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Come on in, you know, and I, I kind of play along with them, but then they never show up. They never come in. So actually I've never had an alien abduction person show up for an appointment and I don't know what that is. I, I guess they, they get afraid at, uh, at some point or maybe the aliens take them back mm. and they don't get to come in. Strangest thing. Um, God, there's so many interesting things. Mm -hmm. um, had a client who couldn't drive, um, terrified to even get in a car, um, couldn't, couldn't drive, couldn't get in the car. Um, just absolutely petrified and it just happened, you know, bam, all of a sudden terrified, um, had to quit her job, um, oh. because she couldn't, you know, just couldn't get in a car. Um, gal actually brought a bus to the sessions, um, when we started doing sessions because she, you know, and it was across the Island bringing a bus to, to our office in town. And I was like, don't you hate riding the bus sometimes, you know, and not a bit. And. She's like, no, I love the bus. I'm like, okay, all right, great, good for your mind. And and so, you know, we, she she came to see us. As it turned out, you know, kind of the nutshell of the story was she had had a very traumatic experience when she was 16 years old, and it was so traumatic that her mind blocked it out. Here another 16 years later, I think she was 32 at the time that, that she saw us, she's driving down the street one day, and a car went by that was the same type of car that had been involved in this traumatic experience in her life. And her brain went, oh, my God, we're in danger. <gasps> and she freaked out. So she starts having a panic attack. Well, your brain will rationalize. When you panic, you have to have a reason to panic. Except for one thing. She didn't have a reason to panic because she had no memory of that event. Couldn't have identified that car if anybody had ever asked her about it. So she didn't have a memory, but her brain had a reason to panic. She just didn't know what it was, so it had to make one up. So as she's having the panic attack, 
her brain said, oh, must be driving, must be the car that's making you freak out. So her brain became, if you will, afraid of the car. Also recognized that that wasn't fully the reason. And so she began to engage in very obsessive compulsive behaviors, waking up at four o'clock in the morning to get her kids lunch ready for school and having to make the lunch three and four times fearing she'd forgotten something, bagging a sandwich and then coming back later, opening it up, taking the bread off, making sure everything was on there, um, having to take pictures of the stove before she would leave the house so that she would know the burners were off. Um, otherwise, you know, yeah. she would, she would go somewhere and have to come back five, six, seven times back into the house just to be sure because her mind might be wrong. So, um, you know, those kinds of things. And in, in, in most of those situations, I mean, if we're dealing with something like that, um, or if we're dealing with helping somebody with pain with a medical issue or something like that, we're going we're gonna to ask for a referral. We're not doctors, not psychologists, not psychiatrists. I'm just a crazy hypnotist who is absolutely fascinated by the human mind. But in a lot of cases, um, you know, our, our clients will, will come in via that channel. We know a lot of the psychologists and psychiatrists on the island, a lot of the physicians we've worked with. Our center's been around since 2006. So people know, you know, who we are, what we, what we do, and that we're, we're very, very professional in how we do this. And so, you know, we get referrals from, from doctors and physicians, and we, but we also get, you know, regular people that come in and they go, Hey, I gotta stop biting my nails, or I need to quit smoking, or I need to, you know, change a habit, or I just want to feel more motivated to, to work out or eat better or, or those kinds of things. Right. What's the common, uh, or the most, one of the more common, uh, reasons that people come to you guys? The, if, if we were on the mainland and, and when we started out in hypnosis, my wife and I own the center. And when we started out in hypnosis, we were on the mainland and, um, there, there's two things that are really, really common for hypnotists, stop smoking mm -hmm. and weight management. And we see a lot of clients here, but interestingly enough in Hawaii, probably our number one call is for people that are experiencing symptoms of anxiousness. People hmm. just get anxious, um, in all levels of that anxiousness. Um, but it, it really tends to be, I think anxiousness, um, whether it's a diagnosed anxiety or just being anxious over having to give a speech or, you know, give a talk at work or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, what, like what kind of anxiousness are they coming in with? Most of it um, is is kind of, you know, just general, I can't, you know, I can't go to a, a, a grocery store. There's a lot of it now with COVID. COVID has made people even oh more God. anxious. I was reading a study the other day, and that's what I do. I sit around and read a lot of these really in-depth studies and stuff. study the other day said, uh, I think it was about 2005, they said 28% of like college students uh, would would say that they experienced anxiety. Okay. Um, now in 2020, they ran at 83%. So it's it, it's exponentially more anxiety in the world. The world is just more anxious. Why do you think that is? Don't go outside. I mean, you know, turn on the news. Uh, we, we hear about everything and maybe maybe the media contributes to that oh, a bit. Just a little bit. A little bit. Because <laughs> um, everything's terrifying. It yeah, has to be or it doesn't sell. Huge fear factor going on. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, COVID is a big giant, you know, world ending pandemic that could be terrible or maybe be a nothing burger. And it, it makes people anxious when they're constantly bombarded by those messages. Mm -hmm. Throw on masks and, and, you know, have something over your face, which most people are pretty uncomfortable with anyways. Um, there's the element of, you know, you know, two years ago, if you would have walked into a liquor store with a mask on. With a hat and a mask and right. sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're, you're, you're shot, you're shot coming through the door. <laughs> You know, now, you, now you, yeah, now they yell at you to, because you don't have one. Right. So, you know, everything that that's all changed for the human brain. That's all different, new and different, new is hard. Mm -hmm. And so I, I believe it just makes people more, more anxious. So I wanted to ask you, and we kind of touched off this, um, off camera a little bit, but how has, um, the pandemic with everybody kind of staying home, being socially distanced and everything like that. And the influx of technology with Zoom and WebEx and, um, you know, doctor's appointments occurring uh, online. How has that affected your business? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's been actually pretty positive. In, in the past, to, to work with clients, and, and, and we would have clients around the world, but that would be because I would travel places and go see people and, and you know, my wife and I would do the work. We, or, or people would come to us. When, you know, all of a sudden kind of the, the government, um, I, I don't want to make it sound like big, bad government or anything, but you know, the, all of a sudden the decree comes down, Hey, you can't do this. Yeah. You know, you cannot have a customer, a client in your office, mm -hmm. have a nice day. You, you really have a couple of options. You go, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I guess my business is, is done. I'll, you know, figure out how to, how to eat a different way. Or, or you go, you know, when people come to our office, yeah, we talk to them a little bit, and the, but then when I get them into hypnosis, when I induce hypnosis in a client, the first thing I tell them is close your eyes. Mm -hmm. And they do. And, and they don't see anything. They don't need to see me. I'm not, I'm not that much to look at. Um, and so, you know, when, when most of a session in our office, they're spending with their eyes closed anyways. So it's mostly auditory. All they're, all they're doing is hearing our voice. Right. Okay. Well, I can do that over the phone. I can do that, you know, zoom or, or any of those kinds of settings. We, we generally do, so do phone work. There's it's, none of this, uh, clock that's stopwatch. Yeah, no, no. The, the swinging your, pendulum yeah. thing. No, that's old school. They don't, uh, you know, you can do that. Um, the interesting thing about that is, and that's the way it started, what we understand about hypnosis nowadays is hypnosis is about focus. If you can get a person to focus, you can get that person into a, a state of hypnosis. Now, there's a, there's a whole art form that goes into it, and there's an art form of how do you get them to, to you know, maybe change the way they think and all of those things. So it requires a lot of training. It's, it's much more, but focus is the induction of it. So they used to use the, you know, the stopwatch or the pendulum or something like that. And they'd say, oh, okay, focus. And, and now we don't. Now I don't need that. I can tell somebody, close your eyes, focus on the sound of my voice, for example. And they will. Is that you starting right now? Or you, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. actually, very soon you're going to feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> Too late for that, I'm already tired. Oof, oof. <laughs> this is awesome. This is a great show. It you're works, great. people. It works. Yeah. So, you know, when, once we recognize, look, if people are coming in, they're closing their eyes. 
we can we can do this in any any style or any fashion. We started doing a lot of remote sessions because mm. um, people are still desperate and they still have the same challenges and issues of life, and many of them bigger because of COVID. You know, there were so many people that were the job losses and all this other stuff. So people were stressed out and they they needed some help. So people would reach out. Well, we 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 started doing a lot of phone work, um, and phone tends tended to be more reliable for clients that were in places that didn't have good internet, you know, or Zoom failures mm-hmm. and things. So we just said, hey, you know, we can do this over the phone. Um, so so we've been doing that. And the interesting thing that we found out in doing that is there are actually some people for certain things in certain ways that do better in a remote session. Here's why. Let's say you come to me and you have a fear of me or, you know, a fear of, of guys, or you have a fear of strangers and you go into the stranger's office and the guy says, close your eyes. Now there's a part of your brain that goes, um, yeah, it is really safe. I wonder what that guy's doing. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, what he's up to over there. And, and so there's a part of your brain that hangs on. Well, that part of your brain that hangs on limits depth of hypnosis. Now, if I take that same client, and that client is at home on their couch, got you know their earbuds in or whatever, and we're talking and I say, close your eyes, that client goes, hey, cool, I'm comfortable here. And they go that much deeper. So for some clients, actually remote or, or, or phone hypnosis can be more effective, more useful. I find that a lot with um, a meditation. Mm-hmm. Do I used to do some meditation and you know have these uh, DVDs and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. actually audio CDs, and it it, it did depend where I was mm-hmm. on how effective it was, and most of the time it was more effective if I was doing it at home mm-hmm. in the comfort of my home in the bed or whatever like that, especially like right before going to bed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. And you're using all the right tools in that point yeah. because you're getting yourself into that. I'm a little tired, which is the start of hypnosis. I'm a little tired and I'm, I'm doing the, the guided meditation or, you know, that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll just get it that much deeper. But also you're in a safe space, safe too, space, you know, and I think that plays a huge part of your mind. Like Absolutely. The comfort zone is a huge um, mindset thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always thinking about, hey, if you're in your comfort zone, you know, try to get out of your comfort zone in order to progress with your life and, you know, make things a little bit more difficult on you. If you're in your comfort zone all the time, you're not moving forward with your life. You're not building. You're not growing. You're probably in a state of decay. Do you see people like that that come to you with, like, problems with not I, I think you mentioned it earlier on on the podcast with motivation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the time. I, you know, it is tough to constantly be a motivated human being because there's so many things that resist our ability to move forward and the mind's ability to do things because we go, oh, you know, I, I should start a business. Right. I should start a podcast. I should write a book. I should, I should, I should, I should. And then immediately there is that part of your brain that goes, well, let me give you 914 reasons why no, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot easier to go, you know what? Chips are good. And <laughs> the couch is comfortable. 
And, and football's on. Right, yeah. yeah. And here I am, you know, and six hours later, you're like, uh, you know, all zoned out on Netflix. And nothing's nothing, happened. Nothing has been accomplished. Because that's easy. If you really think about it, if we, if we get down to the core of that problem, here's the core of that problem. Your brain has a job. Its job is to keep you alive. What does it know? It knows that right now, you are. Therefore, any changes to right now create risk to your existence, and your brain will resist change because it's dangerous. That's not helpful. You know, that, that's not good. It doesn't help us move forward. It doesn't help us take risks and do great things. And so you've, you've got to have that ability to, to motivate yourself to, to move past that risk factor when so, your brain works against you. Right. So with that human brain thinking that, uh, a lot of the reasons we start progressing and motivating ourselves is because we've reached a pain point in some way, shape, or form in our lives. Biologically, it would be, hey, your pain point is hunger, and you need to get your butt out there and go hunt some food because you're going to die if you don't have that. Yeah, go eat. But if you're sitting in a cave with a fire and a ton of meat and everything like that, you're comfortable. You're just sitting there. It's like, hey, why do I got to go outside? Mm -hmm. Why do I got to risk my life to do, you know, go hunt some more, some more uh, you so know, So you're saying if, if cavemen had Grubhub, we'd all still be living in the cave. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. To, but, yeah. yeah, right. So you get to that pain point where you have to make a change uh, in order to continue living yeah. and staying alive, which is what you, you said your brain is programmed to do. It's sure. programmed to stay alive. Yeah. yeah, that's its job. Yeah. That's the, the job of the human mind uh, is, to, is to keep us okay, to keep us safe and functioning. Um, you know, you get the five F's of the human mind. Um, it, it's capable of doing five things. Feed, freeze, right? Fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So feed, fight, flight, uh, food, and fornicate. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the five F's of, of what your brain really, if it was just had to do things, that would be it. That's like your lizard brain. Those, yeah, that's that's the, the core part of your brain and what it has to accomplish. All this thinking and reading and art and music and, you know, magic and, and all the wonderful stuff, that's all different. That's all the stuff that makes us human, right? Yeah, yeah, all good and bad of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary when you think about um, today where, like, the employment rate is, is uh, or unemployment is high because people just don't want to go back to work. They're not motivated to go back to work, and they're just kind of comfortable being home getting unemployment like is there a way to get that pain point over or is there a way to get around the pain point okay so this is the this is the fundamental and and you know I, I let's not get into politics but this is the fundamental challenge of you know kind of the approach to dealing with the unemployment factor and you know not having enough people working in restaurants and all of these things so you mention it, you know, people are comfortable being at home. And so some people say, oh, well, you know, just cut off the unemployment payments and everybody will have to get back to work. Other people say, wait a second, you know, that's not that's not fair to these people that, that work hard and have, have tried and, you know, and, and are struggling right now. There's also the factor of that anxiousness. And there are plenty of people that are out there that are just they're scared to go back. Mm -hmm. And so that pain point becomes that much higher. 
it isn't just we got to get them back to the pain of how they were before. You know, if they have the same level of suffering, they'll go back to the same level of crummy job. It isn't just that. It's you're going to have to rise above that and make them more miserable than they were before because they've got to overcome the pain of going back out into the world, of people being miserable and mean to us, of of all that stuff. So it's... Um, it gets complicated if you get down to it on the on the level of what makes people tick. Yeah, I, I don't understand when restaurants can't hire people. I, like my brain is just like, why why can't they? Why are they having trouble hiring people? I don't people want to go back to work, but apparently a lot of people don't. And it's just it, like it just, it, it, there's a lot of misery, unfortunately, yeah. and and that's that's you know that's sad about our our whole society of where we've we've kind of ended up, but. Um, at the same time, it isn't, you know, I, I, I think it's too simple to lay it out and just go, oh, people are lazy or, oh, you know, nah, that, that simplifies everything. It's sure. a very complicated issue and it's, it's different for every single person. Um, and, you know, you have to feel for the people that are struggling. Um, and, and then, you know, you have to realize that some of it is, uh, I guess, my generation, we, we're older. We look at it and we go, oh, the millennials, you know, they don't want to do anything. You know, they just want to have a, uh, you know, everything, a podcast and, and live in the basement and you know, <laughs> <laughs> think that that's good enough. Hey, and if you create value, you do. But there you go. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, and thank you. I don't I don't mean to I'm not trying to diss the podcast thing. But, hey, it's fine. Uh, but it's you know, it's it's that thinking of, oh, you know, I can just do whatever and, you know, food will come. And that's not necessarily true. Grubhub. Yeah. Grubhub has destroyed us. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> life's changed. The pandemic has changed life and it, it really does. It affects people's motivation as well. Um, you do, however, see the people that have, have benefited through a situation like the pandemic, the people that have said, oh, wait, this creates an opportunity and they've, they've motivated themselves to fill a need. They've adapted. Yeah. And, and so, you know, good and bad, good and bad of it. So, I think when we work with clients, I guess if you get into the individual nature of it, I'm really glad I don't have to fix society's problems because I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about light rail, but I, I do know that, you know, individually we can help people with, you know, the specific challenges. And so we're a bit like maybe hackers for the human mind as hypnotists. I, I don't know how to motivate the masses, but what I do know is how to motivate the person. So mm -hmm. if that person's sitting in my chair and, and we start talking about it, we're trained. What we do is, you know, we're looking for those clues. There are clues in the way we talk. There are clues in the way we, we, we tell our story. There are clues that people give you for what they're afraid of, what their fears are, what demotivates them, what motivates them and, and all of those things. So that's really more about kind of what we're looking for when it comes to motivation is what are those clues? What's holding you back? So, I think the great thing that I've kind of realized through just talking with you and even when I first found your guys' company is that it is completely and entirely centered around helping other people like you just talked about. You know, you're helping the individuals overcome their problems. We love that. I, I, that is, you know, that's what motivates us. Um, we, we love helping people. I mean, the, the, 
It excites you when you can get somebody that comes in, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm terrified to give a speech and I have to give a, a, a speech at work. I got to give a presentation. I'm terrified. And that person sends you an email, you know, two weeks later and they're like, OMG, you know, nailed it. Nice. And, and that's like, okay, that's cool. That's, mm -hmm. that's a huge benefit. So, you know, that's, that's what drives us. That's what motivates us as much as it is wanting to help the people that struggle um, in our own lives. And, and we've, you know, Beverly, my wife and I, and, and we own this center and we, we've had our own issues, our own challenges, our own, you know, bad things that have happened our own relationships that, that failed our own difficulties, our own fears, our own struggles. And so we also really like, you know, being able to give people maybe a little hope or a little forward vision of what's possible in your life. Um, there, there's so much to what we do, um, but it is, it's about, it's about people. So what's like the biggest struggle you've uh, encountered living in Hawaii that is kind of key or specific to just being here in Hawaii since you, you do, you did come from the mainland and you're here now. So yeah, I guess that's the question. What are, what's the outlying thing that Hawaii has that you found is the unique struggle? You know, there's, there's, I, I think there are challenges. Um, God, you, you know, we could get into the societal level of stuff. You can talk about the, just the challenge of, of kind of fitting um, I, I remember our daughter who is, is 28 years old. Um, she, she came over and, and, and part of her challenge is she, she got one of the, you know, server jobs. She's working in the restaurants, working in Waikiki and, and doing that. And she said one day, she said, I'm really having a hard time, you know, meeting people, making friends. She's like, I work with all these people, they're great people and, uh, and all that. And she was talking to one of the, the, the people who became one of her friends and, and the gal said, well, it's, it's just because people are a little bit standoffish for, for anybody that comes from the mainland because you're going to leave. Oh. You know, there's that, there's that thing of, you know, people, yeah, people come here and it's great and it's beautiful, but it doesn't always hold. Mm -hmm. And so people are a little bit, they kind of, you know, hold back from that, that outsider because, they, you know, you don't want to invest too much in somebody that's, that's not going to be around for long. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, we can be acquaintances, but we're not going to be great friends because you're going to you're, leave. You're going to leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're my pal, then uh, then I don't have a pal and I've spent way too much time, you know, I should be investing it in other people that will be around. As much as, as Hawaii is a beautiful melting pot of cultures, I mean, absolutely spectacular being here and you can, you know, you can hear the different languages and the Hawaiian culture in and of itself, so amazing. There's a bit of a, a clickishness to it as well, um, where the, the, you know, culturally, um, you know, the, the, the folks that are, have a Chinese heritage may not get along with the, the people that are, that are Japanese uh, or, or, you know, culturally the Hawaiians with the, the history, the long history of the oppression of, you know, the, the, the early settlers. Um, you know, that the, the Howley white settlers and all of that. And, and so there's this, there's a, there's an underlying tension and a conflict to the diversity of Hawaii that challenges. I, I think everybody, um, our approach has always been proceed with respect for everybody, the person in front of you, 
We work with people that are that have severe addiction issues, people that are coming out of, um, you know, incarceration, trying to rebuild their life. And the big thing is, is all right, you know, we as hypnotists, I don't, I, I don't judge that. I can't. Um, you know, we gotta, we gotta respect that and move forward. And I think if everybody could do that a little better, maybe we could all get along. Um, but that's a, that's a hard concept. Earlier you were talking about how the human brain is trying to work to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons we don't take risks. We don't do a lot of things outside the comfort zone. If we are in a comfortable place in our lives Sure. and that kind of holds us back from progressing. Mm -hmm. So why, if that's the case, then why do people do things that are detrimental to their body if they're trying to if the brain is trying to stay alive why do they do things like smoke mm -hmm. drink and drive do drugs get drunk right off their butt <laughs> day after day after day yeah. so the brain is you know subconsciously trying to keep us alive it's also trying to to make us okay it's it's trying to make sure that you know we 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 have some peace we feel okay and so when it needs to find that, it's going to go look for things that it can, you know, alcohol and drugs are probably the, the best example. Um, they're so prevalent. They are so misused and prevalent because unfortunately they work from a brain perspective. Right. They are lousy life managers. Correct. But from a brain perspective of making you feel better short term, they accomplish that. Um, you know, they take your money, they put you in a in a in a in a, a dangerous situation, they put you in criminal situations. Uh, you know, you got legal issues, you got all kinds of problems. But the brain doesn't care. It goes, I I need to feel better because I don't want to think about those things. I don't want to deal with that issue or that issue or the past mm -hmm. or whatever. So. Unfortunately, the, the brain will drive us there. Um, it's just, you know, kind of that dichotomy of what's more important, staying alive or feeling okay. And that's that fight between that, that conscious and, and subconscious part of the mind and the drive for, you know, bad behaviors as well. Uh, the, the mind tries to stay away from the stuff it doesn't like. If it doesn't know how to resolve something, it's going to find a way to resolve it. It it will resolve it. And so, you know, drugs and alcohol tend to be that resolution. Mm. Um, smoking, not so much. Um, smoking's not a, not a nicotine really issue. Nicotine doesn't do anything for you. A uh, little bit of a, a, a burst, you know, it's a stimulant. It, it, it will pep your brain up a little bit. But other than that, it has no, uh, you know, Real, no real emotional, good, yeah, right. no real emotional. You're not, you're not getting really high by smoking, smoking a cigarette. No, um, all you're doing is ruining your lungs. Right. Um, yeah, smoking's funny because people are actually they they're not addicted to the nicotine as much as they are addicted to the habit of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we get stressed out at work. We go outside. We have a cigarette, and and you know your job's going to stress you out. So you get stressed out three times a day. You go outside. You have a cigarette. You go mm -hmm. outside. You have a cigarette. You go outside. You have a cigarette. Next time you get stressed out, what does your brain say? Oh, we're stressed out. We need a cigarette. No, you need to go outside and take a break. But you know our brain assigns value to that break, and it says the cigarette got us there. And so then now now all of a sudden we're oh I'm addicted to cigarettes um, because it it has a value. And so the brain assigns that value. Same thing if we drink. 
you know, what do, what do we do is, you know, oh, I feel kind of bad because I think about that thing that happened to me in 1976 and that sucked. And so, you know, this beer makes me feel better. And my friends were watching the game and we're pals and everything's good. And, and that moment becomes, you know, part of that positive reinforcement within the mind. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, it's just easy to go, go to drink. Um, so those things kind of, kind of, the brain lies to us, unfortunately. Let me tell you, okay, let's, let's go on another one of those tangents. Let me tell you a story. Okay. So like I said, uh, years ago, I, I go see a hypnotist. Um, I'll tell you how I got, oh, the, you went to see, okay. I'll tell you how I got in the crazy business, right? Cause if you would have told me 20 years ago, Hey Randy, you're going to be a hypnotist in Hawaii. I would have told <laughs> you, you were nuts. I would have been like, no, no, pretty much not going to do that. Right. So I, I went to see a hypnotist to quit smoking. I was a smoker, worked in radio. Everybody in radio smoked because they all wanted to sound like this and they wanted to have the big, you know, radio voice. And so everybody would smoke. Uh, back in the old days, uh, we used to smoke in the studio, you know, spinning 45s <laughs> and being DJs. And it was my how it was, times have changed. Oh my God. It was, <laughs> I was living. Anyways, yes, everything has changed. I just said 45s and people didn't think pistol. They, you know, it's a record, small, you know, record. Anyways, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 45. So we, we were having the time of our lives, but everybody smoked. So I, I eventually realized, thankfully, that that was a bad idea and I needed mm-hmm. to quit. So I, I went to see this hypnotist and walked out of the guy's office, never smoked again and, nice. and really didn't think about it that Just much. Just one time. One, one session. One session done. Well, like I told you, I'm kind of a student of the human brain. I was fascinated by that. I was like, oh my God, how does that work? I totally need to understand that. So I started, started asking questions, started reading about it, started learning about it. And my wife had used it for some stuff. And so she was fascinated by it too. And, 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 you know, da, 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 da. But one day this hypnotist the, that I was, I was training with, he, he said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to help me. I got a show tonight and my assistant has the flu. And he says, so she can't help me. Can you come help with this show? And it was one of those stage shows, you know, make people bark like a dog kind of stuff. <laughs> and and I, I said, well, yeah, I, I, I can help. You know, I've seen your show enough. I'll, I'll come help you out. So I go help him with the show. Show went great. Afterwards, we were talking. He said, Randy, I got to, I got to know. Cause he he says, you know, you were on the radio for so long. He said, I thought you'd be really great in front of a crowd. (laughs) He goes, but dude, you are super anxious out there. And I said, oh yeah, I've always been anxious. I've always been anxious in front of a crowd. And he looked at me, he said, radio is different. I mean, right. Yeah. You talk to a microphone, right? It's easy. Yeah. There's no room by yourself. Yeah. 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 I, I, I said, no, I've always been that way. And he looked at me, he said, no, you haven't. You haven't always been that way. You learned it. Mm. We're not born anxious. We're not born anxious. You think about it, you know, you're three years old, you're in the grocery store, you don't get the candy that you want. Mom doesn't buy you the candy. You do not care what the other customers in that grocery store think, right? You're like on the floor in aisle six, screaming, grabbing stuff. At least I was. So, you know, we, we don't care. He said, you learned that. You learned to be afraid. You learned to be anxious. And I said, yeah, okay, you're probably right. And he said, nope, I'll show you. And so he drops me into hypnosis. And he says, focus on the fear. And he, and he starts chasing it, you know. He says, follow that. Uh, take me to a time you felt that before. And this memory popped into my head, right? Seventh grade. 
in seventh grade, we had a dance at my school. Great dance. You know, everybody went because it was the first time they let us have a school dance. So everybody showed up. Right. Boys on one side of the gym, girls on the other side <laughs> of the gym. Those, nobody yeah. dances. <laughs> we were terrified and we were trying to act cool. Nobody cool in seventh grade. As people started dancing, I remember I looked across the, the gym. I saw Debbie. I thought, oh, man, there's Debbie. She's, she's cute and she's nice. I'm going to ask her to dance. So I gather up all my courage in the whole world, which in seventh grade was not much. And I walked across the gym. I said, Debbie, will you dance with me? And she looked at me and she said, no. <laughs> Shot down. <laughs> like, okay, fine. So I, 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 I go back to my side of the gym. It's like Debbie instilled fear for you the rest of your life. Back on my side of the gym, right? And I'm thinking wonder what's wrong with me. Wonder if I'm not good looking enough. Wonder if I'm not popular enough. Wonder if I'm not funny enough. Wonder why Debbie won't dance with me. Yeah. You just had a huge rejection, right? What's there. wrong with me? Mm -hmm. right? And those are the lies that our brain tells us that stay with us. Right. Cause all those years later with that hypnotist, as we were walking through that memory, I was thinking, you know, maybe Debbie didn't know how to dance. Or maybe Debbie like had diarrhea and couldn't dance. Couldn't dance. Maybe Debbie, <laughs> maybe Debbie had friends and nobody was dancing with her friends, right? So she felt bad for them. Maybe Debbie's looking across the gym, right? She sees Bobby. She's like, Bobby's gonna come and ask me. Here comes Randy, you know. <laughs> but, well, great, Randy's not Bobby. What will Bobby think if I'm dancing? Mm -hmm. None of those things have anything to do with me. But my brain is telling me a story about mm -hmm. what's wrong with me. And it's those stories that will, that they'll screw up our life forever because they become our doubts and they get reinforced and reinforced by, by life and all the other things that happen to us. Now, I'll be honest with, with you and, and, with your podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, folks. <laughs> are, they, are they listeners or viewers? I don't know anymore. Both. I used to all be Both. listeners and then there's like, you know, video and stuff. So anyways, I'll be honest with everybody and especially the people that can see me. I may have been right in seventh grade when I, when I told myself I wasn't good looking enough. <laughs> Debbie may have said, no, I'm not going to dance with you. I, in seventh grade, I had like bad skin, bad hair. I was way into Star Wars. I am still way into Star Wars. <laughs> it's Okay. I, I might've been right, but even if I was right, that's the opinion of Debbie, a seventh grade girl. Mm -hmm. And, and I was a seventh grade boy and I'm not that guy anymore. Ultimately, either my brain was wrong or my brain has outdated information and our brain holds on to those things mm -hmm. and it, it tears us apart, unfortunately. Um, it holds us back. It limits us as, as people. Because if you really get to the core of it, we're all pretty, pretty okay. We're all pretty decent people. We all mostly want to do the right thing. We're just all tossed into a world that's not going to help us with a brain that's not going to help us. And we need to understand it. And I guess, you know, we talked about helping people. My approach, our approach at Hawaii Hypnosis Center to, to helping people is get them in and work with them and, and help them understand how the brain works. I don't want to create clients that have to keep coming to see me. I mean, I, I guess it's a sucky business model because I, I try to work myself out of every client. I want them to go out and have a life and be great. 
and be fabulous and never have to go see the hypnotist. I, I want to teach him about the brain, about their brain, about why it's doing the things that it's doing. So when they encounter problems, they don't go, oh, I need to go see somebody. They go, you know what? That's why my brain did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we don't, you, you, you want to give them the it. tools. Yeah. And, yeah. and then let them go out there. Cause I, I know what happens in that case. They run into somebody, you know, or they got a cousin or something and, and the cousin goes, Oh, I got a problem. And, they, and those, those people, they say, Oh, I know a guy, you need to go see this guy. So, you know, that's really kind of our business model is, is let's create a bunch of people that are out there that go, okay, I know, I, I know somebody, mm-hmm. I know somebody that can help. I recognize you. a problem that you're having. I had the same problem. <laughs> I know a guy is going to help you. Help you get there. Go in there so, with an open mind. Yeah. Some tools. Uh, you don't even have to come in with an open mind. It's okay. We'll open it. <laughs> <laughs> is that like on your, on your website? <laughs> I, I actually. Come in uh, with a closed mind. We'll open it for you. That's right. Because people are, uh, you know, people are skeptical. And I'm skeptical too. I don't mind that. People are like, do you have to believe in it? Nope. I get people all the time and go, well, what if, it, is it just like a placebo? You know, is this just some fake thing that you get people's mind to mm-hmm. do and believe in and all? I don't care. Maybe. It doesn't matter though. My argument would be it, your mind tricks you all the time. It's tricked you into believing that you can't. It has tricked you into believing that you can't quit smoking or you can't quit drinking or you can't start your own business or you, you can't ask that really gorgeous person to you know, go to dinner. You can't, you can't, you can't. And that's lies of the brain. And so I would tell you maybe what I do is, is placebo. Maybe, it, maybe it's just you know, smoke. But so what? So is everything your mind's done since it started learning to do things. So I kind of want to ask, and uh, we'll just have to extend the time here because it's going to go on. <laughs> um, on that topic of your brain um, telling you and making up all these stories, that had to have been a biological thing that all humans have had since the dawn of human history, right? I, I would I would assume so, yeah. And, I mean, we can look back, you know, slavery. Why do people stay as slaves? You know, there are a number of different reasons, but bottom line is they they did. Um, looking back, at, like even through the Roman era, like technology advanced to a certain level and then didn't advance beyond that. People just grew up and stayed on a farm and were like, yeah, I'm going to be a farmer for the rest of my life. This is what we do. Dad was a farmer. I'm a farmer. My kid's going to be a farmer. And they just didn't progress. Did you, and did you hear about the crazy guy that thinks the, the world is round and yeah. maybe we should we should poison him? And the sun? Like, yeah. the sun, oh. like we go around the sun? No. Whatever. crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, is it biologically ingrained in our brains to tell us these crazy stories about, you know, we can't do this, can't do that? And is there a reason for that? <sighs> That, that's a great question, and I may not have the answer. I could probably just give you a theory. And the theory would be it, it, it's maybe a – it's the gift of humanity, you know, as people. We have – as humans, we have the ability to process stuff that a lot of other critters can't and don't. And it gives us the ability to think, to imagine, to believe – but it also gives us the ability to believe the opposite. We can believe the good or the bad. 
And unfortunately, the bad is just easier for the brain to believe because it tends to be that protect you from fear machine. And so the bad is easy to believe. It's easy to believe the scary stuff. And especially when that over time gets reinforced, it gets reinforced by wild animals that, you know, get members of our tribe or by, by, by bad people in wars and, you know, all the bad just keeps getting reinforced and reinforced and reinforced and the good, those moments are so spectacular and so rare that, that sometimes we don't see those. It's like a double-edged sword. We yeah. have all this great imagination and power of creativity. At the same time, that creativity is creating barriers. Yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's uh, we've got the benefit of being humans, and it's great. Yeah, I love being a human. Right? But yeah. it's also really, really scary. Wouldn't want to be a dolphin. Uh, oh, no arms? Come on. Uh, dolphin would be bad. Wouldn't think. They're one of the more <laughs> intelligent species, right? I would yeah. not want to be a cockroach. <laughs> some of my some of my Buddhist friends think I might still have that opportunity. Yeah, the god of the slipper will come down on you. Shall you go over here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you asked about one of the you know the challenges of, of coming to Hawaii. Never mind. I want to take back my answer I gave you a, a, a little while ago. I want to. I want to change that to cockroaches. Cockroaches. The yeah. B fifty twos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> coming for me. What a great defense mechanism, though, right? Cockroaches. What a great defense mechanism. It, that is, they like fly at you. You know, they, they come yeah. right at you if they're threatened by you. And everybody ah! moves. You could be the biggest <laughs> dude in the world, right? You know, you're not afraid. You walk around, you know, Chinatown at night and stuff, not afraid of anything. But the cockroach comes <laughs> flying at you. You're like, ah! In your house and everything is like right at your face. I'm like, yeah. So great defense mechanism, I, but I wouldn't want to be a cockroach. It's because it's scary and it's like, it's not supposed to be that big. No, it's not it even is. that big. I mean, it's still just a couple inches long, right? But the cockroach is supposed to be so small. I, Crazy. I, I, I saw a video on, on Twitter today of some, uh, like a, it's called a redheaded centipede. And it's, it, the thing had to be, you know, a foot long. It was in, it's in Texas. And the guy put it on because it was in his house and he had a long video. He's like, oh, my God, I'm a burn. You know, and everybody's posting little little tweets of, of burning down the house kind of stuff. Everybody's like, no, I couldn't. Uh, and I, I watched that and my brain went, bet we have those in Hawaii, you know. And it gets all, <laughs> They're not that big. They're but, smaller, which means they can get into cracks and crevices that you all, don't know. Yeah. Gets all scared again, you know. Oh, Surprise you. Animals, the animals. Randy, it's been so good having you on. Any last uh, words for the audience here? Yeah, you no. Know, uh, you know, it, what I would tell you is we we do absolutely, you know, free consultations or if people have questions or they're just like, well, would this help with this or that or whatever? Jump on our website, hawaiihypnosiscenter.com. We, we do free consults. You can schedule them right on there, um, you know, and, and just or pick up the phone, give us a call, and, and we're always happy to answer questions or, or talk story or, or just, you know, figure it out or help you out in, in whatever way. And if, if we can't help you, if, you know, the, the aliens did take you or <laughs> whatever else happened in your world, that's okay, too. Right on. All right, everybody. Randy Hampton. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And as always, stay happy, Hawaii.